morning, everyone. Friday, the 10th of June. Just heading into a nice long weekend. Very nice for us. Henry, what's happening overnight? Well, Ben, not a good night on the US markets. Again, fears about this CPI read, which is coming out tonight. Friday their time, of course. Dow Jones fell 638 points, nearly 2%. NASDAQ down 2.75%. The S&P 500 down 2.4%. So really uh, getting pummeled again last night and very much a late afternoon sell-off as well. There were some whispers coming out of the White House that maybe this CPI number won't be quite as peak inflation as some people had thought. Of course, it could go either way and the market's in a mood that it could rally substantially if the CPI number comes in relatively okay. But then again, it could fall quite badly again if we see it come in worse than expected. So commodities were off last night. Dr. Copper down 1.4%. We had iron ore down 1.4% as well as China puts in some more restrictions into Shanghai showing that their COVID zero tolerance policy is going to be a bit haphazard at times and they're going to be one step forward, one step back. Brent crude also came off 0.4%. still baffles me why the oil price is so high given that the world is talking itself into a recession. And of course, last night we saw the ECB get very, very aggressive given the inflation rate in the EU is around 8% at the moment. They were very aggressive and said that they would raise rates by 25 basis points in July and 50 basis points maybe in September, and that would take the rates to zero. So that's really aggressive when the inflation rate is 8%. And European natural gas prices jumped 13% last night. So the inflation is well and truly in normal commodities that people buy in normal life, that that was the result of a LNG plant in the US exploding and being out of commission for three weeks as they had an explosion at the plant. And the US, of course, shipping lots of its LNG to Europe to fill the gap because Russia is no longer allowed to ship its LNG to Europe, which is causing inflation in the US because they have no gas. So anyway, not a good night. And uh, our market showing that as well. SPY was down 55. We're down worse than that at the moment. Very nice. Thank you, Henry. Letting the ECB know what you really think. Oh, someone has to. <laughs> Get him on the phone. Tom, any better news coming out of our local market today or all a bit down? Thank you, Ben. ASX 200 down 69 points. We have broken through that key 7,000 level on track for a nasty end to the week off 3.8%. We do have the Queen's birthday long weekend ahead, which could see a little more risk off the table. And of course, US inflation number tonight, another reason to be cautious. Financials, the only bright spot, and that's after a big week of suffering. Most of the banks up more than 1%. Tech and miners are leading the market lower. BHP and Rio both down more than 2%. Atlas Arteria, the toll road operator ALX, is off. They've denied the request from IFM for some non-public information. IFM upped their stake on Monday to around 15%. Bubs, B-U-B, one of the best performers on the market. They are ahead more than 4% on a US shipment update. And there's a big issue in the US with a lack of supply of baby formula. Virgin Australia is considering an IPO as early as next year. And the buy now, pay later sector is now expected to fall under national credit laws next year. Block, Zip and Sezzle all coming off significantly. Block is down 7.6%, Sezzle down 4.7%. And there is some speculation InvoCare could become a PE target. That's not really translating into the share price. They're off less than 1%. And signposting next week, a big week of central bank decisions, FOMC decision, Bank of England decision and GDP number, Bank of Japan decision. Interestingly, they're one of the only dovish central banks running around at the moment. And we have local unemployment data to round out 
throughout the week. So a fair bit going on. Busy finish to the week. Thank you, Tom, for that. Layton, what's happening in the broker land? Thank you, Ben. Just following on with the financials theme again, there's some more commentary out this morning from Morgan Stanley and Macquarie. They've both re-rated the big four. Macquarie sees the sell-off as a tactical buying opportunity in the context of the broader market. It says that rising rates and an upward sloping yield curve are expected to provide upside to margins. Morgan Stanley points out that higher term deposit rates and deposit mix shifts could negatively impact the margin benefits from rate hikes. There hasn't been any price target moves. Both brokers are underweight on CBA, which is generally the case, with target prices of around $90, implying a 5% downside. Westpac is mixed with equal weight and overweight recommendations. The price targets are in the range of 15% to 20% above the current market price. And the same for NAB with target prices around 12 to 20% above the current share price. And ANZ with the highest price targets, Macquarie says outperform with a target price of $29.50, implying a 26% upside. And Morgan Stanley is equal weight with a target price of $28.90, implying around a 24% upside. Ben? Good stuff. Thank you, Leighton. Chris, not able to be with us this morning, but he has been busy. He was on Ausbiz doing a buy, hold or sell this morning, talking about Wallis, Breville and CBA. And then he does have Breville as his chart of the day too. So make sure you check that out. And Henry, what are you writing about today? Thanks, Ben. Just writing in Henry's take today, mainly about I should have taken my own advice of being fat and happy at Easter and just sold everything and just uh, gone and played golf for the next six months, which would have been a far more appropriate strategy. More caps really pushing uh, proverbial uphill in this environment. Luckily for me, I'm doing an Ausbiz at one o'clock today when I'm talking to Koshi about small caps. So it's struggle to find uh, ones that actually you could say would be worth buying. However, also a look today at inflation, real world inflation. Forget all the stuff that the economists talk about in terms of uh, taking out those volatile things like food and energy costs. But in real world, there is a lot going on in energy prices, especially for those that are very energy dependent. One example of this, I was listening on the radio last night as I was heading off to band practice, talking about dairy farmers and how reliant they are on electricity, not only for the milking of the cows, but also the refrigeration of the product. And it just kind of brings home how much of a uh, pressures there are in the supply chain. And some of these guys, they had $150,000 usually in electricity bills for the year on a normal basis. Now those bills are going up to around 250000 So that puts a big dent in the uh, dairy farmer's pocket. So uh, we are going to see more food inflation coming down the line. And I think that's um, something that uh, we're going to have to get used to. Uh, my brother was telling me last night that uh, a can of beans that he used to buy in the UK for 55p in the supermarket, he's a stingy little bugger, has now gone up to £1.30 and petrol in the UK is £2.10 to buy a litre. So that's about oh. the same as it is here, except uh, we're paying in dollars, they're paying in pounds. In the US, it's gone through $5 a gallon, which is the national average. In some parts of the world, it's cheaper. So I do have a solution to this crisis, which I have written in Henry's take, but unfortunately, no one will do it. And it's very unpalatable, but I'll let you make your own decisions. But certainly, tonight's inflation is a bit of a watershed moment, I guess, for markets if we haven't had enough watershed moments. But certainly, in the real world, energy prices, food prices, and petrol prices are having a serious impact on people's spending power. And obviously, the market's reading that, even if the economists aren't. Very nice. Thanks, Henry. Look forward to finding out what that little teaser is about Henry's big inflation uh, solutions. Make sure you check that out. Marcus, what's happening in strategy today? I have a brother-in-law that we call Mr. Cheese. 
I've got a theory you've got about 25 brother-in-law. I do have one for every scenario. <laughs> now Emma's got six siblings and then I've got my brother's wife. Uh, anyway, there are a lot of brother-in-laws and sister-in-laws. Uh, but I do have one brother-in-law called Mr. Cheese. We call him Mr. Cheese because he ships cheese and he has the contract for Domino's Pizza Cheese, I believe. He just earns a percentage on shipping it around. He doesn't make it. And he's doing extremely well at the moment. You should see some of the toys he's turning up with. I can only imagine the cheese price is up as well. And so his percentage is up nicely as well. So good time to be in cheese. A good time. Good to buy. Good time to be in cheese. There you go. So I've started a strategy section today with a bit of a shrug of the shoulders and said, well, that's about that for the bounce then, isn't it? Looks like it's all over again. And I say that not just because we've had a bad night, but because it's on the charts, the technical picture has turned down again in the US, you would be optimistic indeed to assume this bounce is going to continue with this rather precipitous couple of days. And on that basis, I think if I was holding a geared ETF to the NASDAQ, I'd probably just be giving up on it today, especially considering we have got CPI number tonight, which could go either way, of course. But also bond yields are on the rise. And that's why the technology sector led the US market down. And we have the VIX volatility index just bounced again out of the bull market band chart of that in the strategy piece. So really no reason with the CPI number coming to take the bet, I don't think, because you're betting into this bigger downtrend. The medium term downtrend has been against us since November, August, November last year when the NASDAQ topped out. Medium downtrend has been against the US since then, but the short term downtrend was our friend and is no longer our friend as of this morning. And that's really the point. It's all fiddly charts and lines on charts. It's all a load of rubbish, but you can see people have just given up on the bounce ahead of this CPI number. The FOMC meeting also next week is obviously going to be dictated by the CPI number, you would assume. So quite a bit riding on it. Experience tells me, Henry will probably tell you the same thing, that it's rather uncanny how markets often get it right by popping or dropping into major releases. So dropping hard into the CPI number is something that maybe we shouldn't ignore. Or if you were in 50-50, oh, just go with the trend of the market for the moment. Otherwise, I've looked at our market as well. And the main thing here is that our market's always been a tale of two cities, which by the way, is a book by Dickens for those who are not born in a literary era. You're by yourself here. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think Henry will be with me as well. And our market is tale of two cities. It's about the bank sector and the resources sector and then everything else. And the obvious reason to put the charts in today, again, too many charts, but that's all we've got to go on. We're, we're trying to determine the trend. But the bank sector obviously topped out in the last couple of days, having a nice relief rally today, but probably just from a seller exhaustion rather than optimistic buyers. Uh, but that's topped out. That makes our market a little bit more difficult to believe at an index level. But the resources sector looks comfortable and the energy sector has just broken out. And you've got Janet Yellen today has just made a speech and she said that it is unlikely gasoline prices will fall anytime soon. And that's not why the sector's broken out, but that's what the message the sector has been taking on board in the last week or so is that this is going to go for a while. And the energy sector is the only playground at the moment. All the other sectors, REITs, technology, cyclical, consumer discretionary, retail, media, automobiles, housing, all these sectors which require positive market sentiment. There are a lot of high PEs in there as well. Stock 
market stocks. They need a rising market to perform and they've already been sold down hard. The only reason you'd sell any of those now, and this is where, as Henry says, some of the stocks have already crashed. This is where you would be looking to time the bottom and clearly it's not here yet. The only reason you'd sell them now is because you thought the market was going to do something horrible and there's no real reason to believe that. So giving up on the bounce was the message in strategy today. And you'll also see Janet Yellen's other comments. She says, it's amazing how pessimistic people are. I don't think we're going to have a recession. There's nothing to suggest that a recession is in the works. But of course, there is a recession risk, which is typical of every market commentator, including ourselves. We think this, but that. Otherwise, we've got Ask an Analyst. When's that, Henry? Next week? It is next Wednesday, 5.30. We've got 154 people signed up. So that's going to be a fun session. Okay, good. Uh, Henry and I have done an educational podcast. It's on the couch. Look out for that this weekend. I've got a bit of a write-up in the weekend newsletter of a conversation with some Yanks who are particularly bearish. One of the things they are worried about is a change of relationship with China, which would end globalization if it hasn't already ended, which means China just making it very difficult for American companies to keep this endless revenue growth going. And apart from that, the money printing thing, the whole of Wall Street relies on money printing and it has been turned off. And that's what the JP Morgan CEO was probably telling us earlier this week, that it's going to get a lot tougher for the investment banks and for the markets from here and against a backdrop of some really quite unique and rather nasty themes from inflation, interest rates too low, having to rise and a number of other things which I'll itemize in the weekend newsletter. Very good. Thank you, Marcus. Our question of the day, a little bit nervous for this one because I think there might be some opinions. What are the chances of a more precipitous drop from here? Thomas Wagner, please. Well, I don't have a number for you, but I will steal some of Henry's thunder. And he was talking just about before how we're being held up by energy and resources. And if commodity prices come off, then we could see the market fall a fair bit, a couple of hundred points. But what's the chance of that? Who knows? Okay, thank you, Tom, for your on-the-fence opinion. <laughs> yeah. But you're not a bull. Is the, and that's the, that, uh, I think I'm, the main theme that most of us will I'm have, I'm it? neutral to slightly negative is my view on the market. Right. No one's going to be a, an optimist at this point, which tends to tell you the trend is not up. Leighton, do, do you want to be an optimist? Oh, no, no, not at all. I think there's going to be a lot riding on this CPI number that comes out tonight and that could dictate quite a bit what we do on Tuesday. Henry? You're right. So it is very hard to be an optimist at the moment. By nature, I think most brokers and people of our ilk tend to be optimistic, but it does seem to be that the headwinds piling up Beaufort scale 10 at the moment. It could go to 12 if Jamie Dimon's right because that's a hurricane but certainly you know our market has been held up by the big solid plank which was the banking sector which fell over in the last week and it has then also been held up by you look at the likes of BHP was around 47 bucks and that was X the Woodside distribution so that was at a pretty elevated level as well so far commodities haven't suffered the same sort of crisis that we've seen in the rest of the market but tech stocks have been absolutely wiped out even as Chris will attest to, stocks like Breville, which was a market darling, could do no wrong. You know, that stock's fallen from 32 bucks to 18 bucks. So although the banks have held up and the big Australians held up, there has been an awful lot of people being awfully badly hurt underneath. And I don't see that finishing anytime soon, I have to say. I think we're in for a, a winter of discontent following on to the literary theory from Marcus. It is the best of times. It is the worst of times. But 
now we have the winter of discontent and it won't be brighter by a summer, unfortunately. So we shall see the market continue to trend downwards, I think. Wise words as always. Thank you, Henry. Marcus? Do you know what the Beaufort scale is, you guys? Mm. Rings a bell. Right, okay. the head. As a sailor, you know uh, what it is um, because uh, it, Beaufort scale 12 is the sea is white and uh, Beaufort scale zero on land is calm, smoke rises vertically. I remember that one. And the Beaufort scale 12 on land is violence and destruction. <laughs> it's all to do with wind. And Beaufort scale 10, 11 and 12, very rarely experienced on land. I don't think we're quite going to get to violence and destruction. But having said that, I'm getting spider tingles about a precipitous moment in the market. Let's get past this CPI number and let it all calm down a little bit. But if we woke up after the CPI number to Wall Street down a thousand points, I think I'd be going 30% of me would be going, yeah, we should have expected that. So I think it's a scary moment for CPI. I do think some of the elements are lined up against us, not for us at the moment. And it's very unlikely to turn on sixpence. So I would say Henry's view that, you know, selling may and go away or fat and happy at Easter, you know, that does seem to be true. And I do remember when I was working at Nomura in England after the 1987 crash, there were four traders who traded the principal book, which means they were trading with Nomura's money. They traded the principal book of Nomura trying to make money in the equity market. And the head of equities, Robin, Robin, can't remember his surname, the head of that desk sent them all home and told them, I'm going to pay you to sit at home, play golf, because I'm going to save more money than if you continue to muck around in the equity markets trying to make money, especially in the short term. So we sent them all home. So we do seem to be at one of those moments where it's probably better to be standing back. I don't think I'd be overly concerned about Australia as a long-term investor, but it's very hard to generate a bull market expectation uh, today. Yeah, I would repeat most of that sentiment. I think the inflation number could be potentially if it's out of hand after we've had all this talk for the last month or so, central banks being more aggressive to crimp that, uh, that could kind of change the narrative again to where rates might have to end up and how quickly they might have to end up there and cause a bit of a panic if it does happen. Or it might come in under and everyone starts talking about lower rates and it's happy. So we'll see. Sit on the fence. If you take the Beaufort scale and move it into stocks, okay, small trees begin to sway, right? So small stocks begin to sway. That's Beaufort scale five. I think we're past that, uh, aren't a we? A few of the small trees have come out of the ground, I think. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so we've got Beaufort scale seven, whole stocks whole trees in motion resistance felt in walking against the wind yeah we're probably there there. There we go both at scale seven leave it on that we're at seven thanks guys have a good long weekend we'll see you back here on tuesday tuesday thanks guys